Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I am your host today, Erica, and joining me in the virtual studio is Doug, and behind the scenes is Damien. Hello. Welcome both. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about the biosecurity state, and this is a very deep rabbit hole to go down. Lots of information. We're maybe going to scratch the surface today, but just some reference material for those that are interested in going down that rabbit hole. Uh, there was an article that was uh, published back in October uh, by the Last American Vagabond by Whitney Webb, and it was titled Google and Oracle to Monitor Americans Who Get Warp Speeds COVID-19 Vaccine for Up to Two Years. And this kind of sparked interest for us because we have in the past done a show about Operation Operation Warp Speed. Uh, operation Warp <laughs> can't, Speed. Can't help it. You know, have to have a sense of humor about the uh, the language that's used in in a lot of this information and really the mass hypnotization programming. There's a lot of things going on here, but basically from the article, she talks about uh, Monsef Salawi and uh, how he told the Wall Street Journal uh, that the warp speed, all warp speed vaccine recipients will be monitored by an incredibly precise tracking system and Google and Oracle will be involved in that. And um, in the interview, uh, the New York Times also published an interview, but uh, they talked about how a very active pharmacovigilance surveillance system um, will be used. And for those that are wondering what a pharmacovigilance surveillance system is, <laughs> because I, I personally knows that, no? can't even really say it, but um, you know, basically they're using tech to monitor. And you would think uh, being a uninformed person that this may be a good thing, that they're doing their best to monitor side effects or adverse reactions. And really, according to this article, and Whitney Webb does a phenomenal job laying it all out, is that really that's not the case at all. This is more about Department of Defense military style tracking and surveillance and mm -hmm. therapeutics, which is the actual vaccine, is really a very small part of it. So, yeah, I'm just going to read one thing that he that was uh, shared from uh, a document from far factory to the front lines, the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Defense states the key objective of pharmacovalence is to determine each vaccine's performance in real life scenarios to study efficacy and to discover any infrequent and rare side effects not identified in clinical trials. Uh, we will also use pharmacovigilance analytics, which serve as one of the instruments for the continuous monitoring of pharmacovigilance data. Robust analytical tools will be used to leverage large amounts of data and the benefits of using such data across the value chain including regulatory obligations. So they're just coming right out and saying it. What One of the things that I found in doing research for this show was how much they're just basically clearly telling you the agenda now. Mm -hmm. 
So kind of give some background. Um, you know, there's been a lot of simulations of flu pandemics. One, for those listeners that are not aware of this, was uh, called Dark Winter, and that started back in 2001. And it was a kind of a senior level bioterrorist uh, attack simulation. It was actually using smallpox. But then we go on to more recent events like Crimson Contagion, and that was um, in 2019 from January to August. Same kind of thing, national, state, local, public, and private organizations participating in these simulated pandemic. And then another one is event 201, which was a, a, maybe our listeners have heard about it, an outbreak simulation based on the novel coronavirus. So they've been um, kind of looking into this for a long time. And uh, Whitney Webb's actually written several other articles that go even deeper into these past, um, you know, simulations and the the sorted characters involved. And so currently we're in the middle of it. And a lot of these characters, one being Robert Cadlick, who uh, works for John Hopkins Center for Health and Security. He's the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. He's all in there since two, since 2001, since Crimson Contagion. So I don't think that there's anything that's <laughs> the benefit of humans in this no. program what do you think Doug? no i don't think so i mean yeah what, what just becomes really like readily apparent with all this it's like you were saying on the surface it's kind of like oh we need to track people to be able to remind them to go for their second dose of the vaccine and we need to you know have it all digitized and be tracking everything so that we make sure that they get the same vaccine for the second dose as they did for the first dose and we're going to take a look and make sure that you know there's no side effects that we didn't notice in the studies and things like that like it sounds like you were saying it sounds like you know they're they're just being responsible that's that's something good but when you tie it to all these other things all the simulated events that they've done all the different players that are behind the scenes uh the multi-tentacles of the new world order whatever you would want to call it is all so embedded in this that it just seems obvious that that is just a front that what they really are doing is rolling out a massive tracking surveillance system and because they expect to have every american um, vaccinated, it's a way to track every American. Um, and in the world, too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that this won't be limited to just, just to the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, and it's not, uh, you know, when you, t you take a look at all these kind of big, um, I don't even know what you call them, pushes from all these different sectors and stuff. I, you, know, you know, when you look at the, like all the stuff going on with food, like the Eat Lancet and all that kind of stuff, and you, you just, you really kind of get a picture of how the, um, the future that they're envisioning is all starting to take shape. You know, it's coming from multiple angles. So there's plausible deniability. Oh, we don't have anything to do with those guys. But really, it's kind of like you, you get this vision of what the future is going to be like in their eyes what they would like it to be everybody tracked traced everything that you do is known everything you eat <clears throat> every medication you take the whole bit so yeah. yeah it just seems like this is just kind of one more um front that they are pushing forward on Yes, and it's very concerning. Um, one of the little subheadings in her article was about secret contracts, and I just want to kind of go into that a little bit. 
so our listeners can see how they're really creating this without any sort of oversight or, um, you know, accountability. Um, so she talks about how warp speed contracts have been awarded to Google and, and Oracle and, um, those contracts grant companies diminished federal oversight and exemptions from federal laws and regulations designed to pe- protect taxpayers' interest in the pursuit of work stipulated in the contract. It also makes them essentially immune to Freedom of Information um, Act requests or FOIA requests. So, you know, years down the line, when people try and find out about this, they're not going to have access to that information. Um, Also, she noted a major conflict of interest worth noting is Google's ownership of YouTube, which recently banned on its massive multimedia platform all misinformation related to concerns about a future COVID vaccine. (laughs) Misinformation. Yeah. So uh, you want to you want to bring up um, our recent experience? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we were banned. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, totally. We uh, we had our. our video that was, uh, what was it called? Uh, where did the flu go? Um, where we were talking about uh, how suddenly the flu has disappeared. Well, maybe I shouldn't say too much about it. Maybe this one will get banned too. But just so people know, they can still see our uh, video on library, uh, lbry.com, is it? Um, dot, dot TV. Dot TV. And uh, I think we have it on BitChute as well. So you can still find it. Uh, it's just the YouTube's bandit. Um, so maybe actually, let's put a link in the in the description to the show so people can can still see that. Unless that gets us banned as well. <laughs> well, I mean that just speaks volumes because we've watched. You know, months ago we did a show on Sayer-G and and uh, Dr. Mercola, and so we're just seeing this now. I did recently um, see that. Uh, a high wire with uh, Dell big tree was also just taken off of Instagram and Facebook. Um, interestingly, kind of as a side note, I think it was because he had James Corbett on his show and they uh, talked about the great reset. That could be why he's kind of strayed out of the vaccine debate and into some other information there. So who knows, but I I'm with you. I really think that this has become this um, theater for one, and uh, biosecurity, um, you know, is the new buzzword. So we're seeing it in the U.S. implemented very slowly and kind of meticulously. I'll just give an example. Anywhere that you go into a public place now, uh, they take your temperature, which, you know, seems, you know, not too nefarious in and of itself. But how long till we accept being scanned with, you know, a cell phone or some sort of chip reader mm-hmm. to uh, let us into public places? And, you know, the the whole idea behind it is, well, we're protecting you and ourselves. And really, it's just instilling um, this idea that it's okay to do that to, you know, assess your health before going mm-hmm. into a public place. So it does seem that this... Uh, I've heard it referred to as this biosecurity theater. It's not really, uh, it's just a formality 
but it doesn't really reflect reality. You know, I mean, I have, we have to do it at my job. Now, if somebody has a hundred degree temperature, do I ask them to leave half the time the device doesn't work properly. Mm. So, uh, but it's just getting um, the public to accept uh, perceptions and expectations of acceptable behavior. Yeah. And that also means, unfortunately for us in the U.S., that also means uh, the mask, right? That means uh, wearing the mask, wearing socially distancing, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting to the way this all seems to have pivoted from terrorism. You know, after 9-11, you had all these different measures being brought in um, to, you know, Watch out for the terrorists. This is for your own protection. It's always it's always under that guys, right? This comes. Um, we're doing all these things for your protection um, because there's such a danger of terrorism out there. And now it seems like you know that was so last decade. Now it's all about the virus, and it's like all these different measures being brought in, all these freedoms being stripped away, um, all this tracking, all this tracing, all this like you know information tentacles wrapping around everything knowing everything under the guise now of the of this virus which is a complete nothing burger as we know it just uh it's just so interesting to see how they changed everything i mean you don't even hear anything about terrorism anymore not really anyway um so yeah i thought i thought that 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 was uh interesting to say the least yeah, now it's it's bioterrorism. You are the weapon. You yeah. and you may not even be aware of it. And and some of the really kind of creepy dark aspects are this. Um, one was uh, in an article that uh, Whitney Webb did with uh, Dr. Mercola called Operation Warp Speed: A Technocratic Chess Piece. Excellent interview for those that are interested. But they talked in particular about these ideas of smart cities and how they will be using um, surveillance systems to surveil sewage in smart cities to predict pandemic outbreaks up to 10 days before they even happen. And if that becomes the case, then they can shut down these entire smart cities. And so this is where the future is going for us. And if people think that, you know, they can, you know, opt out of it, it's really getting to the point where that's no longer a reality. I mean, there's really, as you said, Doug, there's really no place that you can go to opt out of such things. I mean, we in the U.S. just seem to be an excellent subject to start with, probably because of the military and organizations like DARPA, you know, I mean, they've they created a what they called a PhD program back in 2006. And you would think, oh, it's for doctors, right? No, it's predicting health and disease. Mm. And um, basically kind of like something out of some science fiction movie, like pre-crime, but it will be right. now um, predicting whether an individual will develop an infectious disease prior to the onset of symptoms. And... Uh, It's planned to accomplish this by identifying changes in the baseline state of human health through frequent surveillance with specific focus on viral upper respiratory pathogens. 
this preemptive diagnosis would be transmitted to a national web-based influenza map via your smartphone. Yeah. Of so, course. well, it's interesting. There was an article um, on a site called MedTech Intelligence. It was called NIH awards seven contracts for COVID-19 digital health technologies. And they just kind of list off the different companies that have gotten contracts. And when you read through some of them, um, Evidation Health Incorporated health measurement platform that analyzes patient consented data to detect COVID-19. IBM contact tracing solutions that includes verifiable health status reporting. iCrypto Inc. smartphone based solutions that provides proof of testing, serologic and vaccination status. PhysIQ Inc. platform that integrates artificial intelligence, data analytics, and cloud computing with an FDA-approved wearable wearable that monitors health status of COVID-19 positive patients, etc., etc. It's all tracking. Like everything is like tracking you through your cell phone. Wearable stuff that'll tell people if you're sick. Um, one of them is GPS-based uh, retroactive contact tracing solution that also includes information about businesses visited by COVID-positive uh, patients. Um, and there's one that uh, by Vibrant Health integrates mobile apps, data, and validated machine learning algorithms to differentiate COVID-19 from the flu and conduct contact tracing using Wi-Fi. So it's it's basically like they're awarding all these contracts that are essentially just to be better and better at following you, knowing what you're doing, knowing where you've been, who you've been in contact with, all these, all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, it just, uh, it's just all insane. for your health and well-being. Well, of course, right? I mean, and when you just combine this with the information that we presented in multiple shows about how COVID nineteen is not a particularly dangerous virus, and it just it's just an excuse that's all it is this is all the stuff they've been wanting to roll out forever and it's just uh covid has provided an, an a very convenient excuse to uh to do all this to implement all these things um under the guise of it being for your own safety well, what i find interesting as i stated earlier is the language that they use around these kinds of things like you know warp speed and the dark winter and crimson contagion and all these really fear thought provoking words but then also the name of organizations that are actually monitoring a lot of this and one of them mm-hmm. is sentinel <laughs> like that. Uh, really i mean it, for anybody that hasn't watched the matrix you should go back and watch <laughs> yeah, it to totally. see what a sentinel is but um Basically, Sentinel's main goal is to improve how the FDA evaluates the safety and performance of medical products through big data with an additional focus on learning more about potential side effects. Uh, Electronic surveillance system that aggregates data from electronic medical records and claims and registries that voluntarily participate and allows the agency to track the safety of marketed drugs biologics and medical devices. So they're using this Sentinel program also to surveil uh, the vaccine effectiveness and they're calling that post licensure rapid immunization safety monitoring program better known as PRISM, which is Mm. another eerie creepy word. And it's developed to monitor vaccine safety, but to date has never been used to actually 
assess vaccine safety. So they're selling you a bill of goods based on bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, more or less. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a scary, a scary thing. Um, You know, they've often referred to this era or the coming era as the post post privacy era where it's kind of like brave new world. Everybody knows what you're doing all the time, everywhere. And I don't really like that idea. I mean, maybe they would tell me that I'm just um, old paradigm that I need to get over it. Um, But I don't want to get over it. I actually think this is really bad. Yeah. And, you know, people have been coming out warning of this. I mean, I feel like I can't even remember what show we did, but Zach Voorhees, right? The one that mm-hmm. came out about Google and saying, yeah, you know, be careful. They just bought Fitbit. So all these people that are exercising and having all of their information, you know, go into their Fitbit and you think that it's great because it's telling you how much sleep you're getting at night and how many steps you're walking every day. But really this information is being sold and, you know, collected and used to create this huge web of God knows what, you know, I mean, for me, I'm not a super tech inclined person. So it's hard for me to actually visualize what that looks like. But what really stuck out to me from what he had revealed was that this is actually a violation of HIPAA, which is your rights to have your medical data shared with people besides yourself. You know, so people have been blowing the whistle, so to speak, on it. And then they just fall into the memory hole and get banned on YouTube and Mm -hmm. we never hear about it again. And and all the while now going into the holidays and winter, it's coming back with a vengeance. You know, people are back on the red and orange codes for pandemic spreading, even though if you take a look at the numbers, you see that's really not the case. It's almost like the more people find out, the more the powers that be double down. We're just going to double down. We're going to make it even more uh, draconian, you know, I mean, to tell people that they can't be around friends and family for the holidays to go as far as to, monitor um, who's at your house, how many cars are parked in your driveway. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say in the U.S., um, there is quite a strong movement, slow, but happening of uh, sheriffs and police that are not going to be um, enforcing nonviolent crime, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, good, you know. So right now, at least for the U.S., you know, I hope that there's more of that I, I think it just depends on where you are too um but do you guys see any of that where you are like a like a just more of a crackdown you know i mean we were told to socially isolate and stay home and lock down back in march you know i think the monitoring of people doing that maybe wasn't as extensive as it is now yeah um yeah, I mean, we're, we, we certainly are seeing it to a certain extent here, for sure. Um, I think uh, we've just entered our second lockdown. Um, and yeah, they're supposed to reassess on December 15th to see. They, it's, it's, it's a much less 
um, severe lockdown. Whereas in the States, I think that they maybe are going in the opposite direction. Um, it seems like here they're kind of, you know, placating people a little bit and, and it's not quite as bad as it was, you know, uh, more stores have been able to open up that sort of thing. And I know in the UK, they've been talking about banging doors down and like bu busting in and breaking up Christmas dinners. If you have too many people with you or something like that and not, uh, we haven't seen anything like that, any threats of that so far. So far. So, we'll so see. far. Yeah. Well, and I think the concerning thing now is at least what we're seeing in the U.S. is like manpower alone to do something like that is not really realistic, right. especially in more rural areas. I mean, in the town I live in, there's maybe four police officers, so mm. they're not really going to be able to do that. Right. you know, logistically. But I think what that will end up doing is encouraging citizens to turn in exactly their neighbors exactly. and non-compliers. And that, that's where it gets very concerning because, um, you know, it's basically your word versus a tattletale or, mm -hmm. you know. Well, yeah. I mean, once they incentivize that kind of thing, Right. You know, if you rat on your neighbors and we catch them, then you get this. You get some money. Yes. You get you're allowed to leave your house for two hours a day instead of one. It's like then I think you would really start to see. You know, Stasi like. Um, neighbors ratting on neighbors kind of thing. And that kind of thing is really scary, you know. Yeah. Um, especially when you see the disheartening number of people who really seem to be enthusiastically um, into all these restrictions and um, really believe that you are um, a danger if you're not following the rules to the letter. Um, yes. it's, it's, it's kind of scary to see kind of that side of human psychology, uh, to know that there are a lot of people out there who are like that, who will gleefully turn in their neighbors and watch them get carted off to COVID camps. So do we have any suggestions? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what can you do? Throw out your cell phone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It is, uh, I mean, sit back and enjoy the show is really about the only <laughs> advice that I could really, really think of. I mean, it's kind of like as these things progress and move forward, the ability for you to well like you said before the ability to opt out becomes narrower and narrower um and you have to assume at some point that it's almost not going to be there anymore um yeah. that you are well maybe we shouldn't end on such a, such a dour <laughs> note we don't know what's going to happen we really don't um good share the video what's that you could share the video you can share the video there you go i mean that's something i mean yeah Knowing what's going on, keeping your eyes open. Um, I mean, that's that's half the battle right there. Uh, to be able to know what's going on and in the event that something comes down, you are able to act, then you do. You have the, the, the knowledge to be able to work with to to make the right moves. Exactly. And I think one thing that I think is very important is to try and not succumb to the fear. Right. Uh, there's a lot of ramping up of fear um, 
you know, turn off your mainstream TV. If you find yourself being inundated by emotions of panic, you know, maybe take a moment to walk outside and remember that you are a human being and not a human doing, and you don't have to go along with 27 unrealistic regulations. Um, you know, for the first time ever, I'm actually speaking out, saying what I think, which is a little bit scary, but at the same time, as these things progressed, it's better to have done something with mm -hmm. the knowledge that we have than nothing. I do feel like we have a responsibility. We know these things and, you know, having done this show for so many years and we've said many times, in a sense, we feel a little bit vindicated, vindicated because we weren't crazy tinfoil mm -hmm. hat wearing conspiracy theorists when we talked Doug and I wrote an article years ago about the Disneyland measles epidemic That's outbreak, right. allegedly. And, you know, I mean, people pay attention. These kinds of things are rearing their ugly head for a reason. And, mm -hmm. and now we know why. Now we're starting to see how playing it out. So really the fear, not succumbing to the fear is kind of key. And, and you know, having friends and family around that you can honestly share your concerns with, let those fears out. You know, it's kind of a bubble that needs to be burst. Like I'm really afraid if I go to Walmart, I may kill my grandma, you know, and, and mm -hmm. <laughs> just have the discussion with, uh, with people about it. Because what I really see all this isolating people is, is they do not want people to come together and share information at yeah. all yeah. about what they're seeing in their communities or towns or states or countries, you know? And so that's why we continue to show up every week when we can <laughs> yeah. when we're and not get banned. this information out there when we're not banned. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you, you, you can't alone take on all of this information and not have it wear you down. It's good to be able to talk to people about it. So, it yeah, cool. So I'm sure we'll be following up as this progresses more and more. Um, after the new year, we may actually start to see the guinea pigs that are receiving this warp speed craziness. So uh, we'll try and keep up with what's happening as much as possible. So we appreciate you all. Thank you all for listening. Please share this video. Please read Whitney Webb's extensive research on this because it's really um, very well done. And uh, we will come back at you again soon with another interesting topic. So yeah. thanks all. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. Bye.